crop. Welcome to the 28th edition of the Guna podcast, sponsored by Gunashirts.com and recorded at the beginning of June, when we believe the transfer window is very much open for business. First up, the return of one of our original panel members, a man who isn't able to get out quite as much as he used to, hence his recent absences. Nevertheless, it's a pleasure to welcome back the man they call the Highbury Spy. Hello, good evening and welcome. Next up, a relatively youngster amongst a traditional bunch of old codgers who offer their opinions here. Now very much a regular, Mr David Udo. Hello, listeners. Finally, a man who has to step in to fill a gap in the panel so often. It's effectively become our very own David Fairclough, Perry Groves, something like that. <laughs> Super sub and Gooner editor Kevin Witcher. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, who are you standing in for, Kev? You can tell us. Well, I'm actually here because, believe it or not, Mr. Mark Ollington, uh, his boss didn't turn up. And there's some evening function in which he has to represent the company. So that's his piss poor excuse this time around. Okay. Well, um, on a Monday night. On a Monday night, yeah. Well, he Should we not dwell on this because obviously the man at Arsenal <laughs> Mania or whatever says we're quite boring. That's a good so point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we probably yeah, put need to cut to the chat. Listen, yeah. to, listen to the songs, Paul. You'll love them. We put, we put out all the stops tonight. <laughs> Paul, so, if that's you, I'm disappointed. If that's Paul Williams who writes for the Guna. We shall start anyway with uh, with the Wenger loving that um, happened after the um, before and after the Stoke game, um, and um, the events leading up to that. Kev, do you want to start us off? Well, these T-shirts, I love AW. Um, I guess the silent majority um, found their voice because obviously there is a perception the manager was getting a bit of a hard time, um, not least from the now mythical shareholders Q&A session, which wasn't actually uh, so much the um, shareholders having a go, it was asking for explanations, but Vengo took it entirely the wrong way. Um, if he just re- retained his dignity and, and refused to answer criticisms of individual players, he, there wouldn't have been such an atmosphere at that thing. Um, and obviously his Real Madrid comments were picked up and people putting two and two together thought this guy is not feeling very loved. But uh, I think if you ask a different cross-section of Arsenal fans, you get a wide variety of opinions. But there are certainly a lot of people out there who do not want the man to go. And I suspect that given the real amount of money he's had to play with, I suspect he's done as well as he can. However... He's got to stop doing things like talking up his players too much and not selecting his strongest team. So he's not without fault just because he's been broke. He could have handled certain things this season better. But my position at the moment is he is still probably the best man for the job, but there's got to be some changes made. Well, we said we could get a wide range of opinion on Arsene Wenger. We'll head straight across to Mr Spy. Well, my opinion is somewhat different to Kevin's, although we do see eye to eye on a lot of things. I mean, I think, I think a lot of that is better the devil you know. They've, they've had Arsene Wenger for 12, 13 years. We've, we've won the title, not for six years, five, six years, since we last won, four years. Five, five years. years five, five years we've been. Five years, yeah. Four years since we won a trophy. Always finished in the top four. Before that, always finished in the top two. But just lately, our performances have been going down. The team's gone backwards. But people don't want change because it's, oh, we know Arsene Wenger. We're quite happy to finish in the top four. If we got rid of Arsene Wenger, we might even finish lower. 
well I don't subscribe to that view, I subscribe to the view we should be aiming higher and we should be trying to compete with Manchester United and Chelsea, whatever it takes. You were saying... It means getting rid of the manager, so be it. You were saying this round about Christmas, I seem to remember. And I, mean, I seem to remember a conversation in a pub where you suggested Neil Warnock or Sam Allardyce. Oh, that must have been one of those five readers on one of the evenings I could make it. I, mean, I, I, I thought nothing against Arsene Wenger. I think no, a job. no. I just think we could do better. And don't ask me who. Oh, well, no, no, that's it, though. If you, can't, if you can't give an answer, then who can? Well, I'll tell you what, let's get Gus Hiddink. He's not doing anything now. Well, he, well, he would, <laughs> would he not been at Chelsea? I, if I, you think could get him. I think there was Russian Mafia involved in the head there. Yeah, so that's 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 the Russian Mafia got him the job at Chelsea. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> because asked, because um, Abramovich obviously is in with Putin. Putin asked Abramovich not to do something for the good of Russia. Abramovich didn't do that, i.e., didn't keep Hiddink on full time. So as that you know, it can carry on as manager of Russia, but we haven't got any Russian interest unless Usmanov comes on board. We haven't got any, you know, we, we, we don't answer to Putin. You know, I don't see why we couldn't go and get Hiddink tomorrow. Do you think Hiddink would come? No, I think he's quite happy where he is. I think he enjoys World Cups um, and he's looking forward to going to one with Russia. Um, I mean, the, the point is, he can get any job anytime, anywhere, given his track record. So, um He's not going to be that fussed about Arsenal having presumably enjoyed his stay at Chelsea. Uh, if, he's, if he's going to go to a club tomorrow, it would be Chelsea, but he's not. He's going to stick with Russia. I think he's actually quite involved in the development of the game in the country anyway. Um, I'm sure he's certainly handsomely rewarded. Um, and uh, I think he's almost at the stage now where he's only going to be a national coach. I, I, I think his club days may fair, well be over. Enough. Maybe that is the case, but. This argument that hey, if we don't have Arsene Wenger, who do we have? That every club in the world has got a manager. You're not telling me that everyone who won their respective Premier Division in whatever country hasn't got a manager that might or might not be better than Arsene Wenger. You're talking about the best league in the world, up. though. And you sort of, perhaps the only two I can think of then is the Spanish league. You're not going to get Pep Guardiola, and you're not going to get um, Jose Mourinho. Case in point: Pep Guardiola, 38 years old, never managed a club in his life. But he's equivalent to maybe us getting Lee Dixon. Yeah, I know, but so, you know, so when someone says, "Oh, there's no one better than Arsene Wenger," who would have said that Pep Guardiola would be better than? The difference is you've got a unique situation in Barcelona in the sense that it's the national club of the, the Catalan region and parts of the Basque Country. Um, Guardiola is Catalan, Barcelona are Catalan. Uh, interestingly, seven of the team that took the field against Manchester United last week were homegrown. Barcelona players mm. um, it's one of their own rising to the top the problem with our dressing room is it's, it's ruled by egos and you need a big name running that dressing room to suppress those and essentially be the, the go-to guy and Wenger's, Wenger's got the, uh, the feet to fill those boots and I don't think there is a standout manager in, in world football at the moment who could come in and, and deal with this, this dressing room when you've got this ridiculous dichotomy of players who think that they're the greatest in the world who aren't, such as are soon to be, hopefully soon to be the party number 25, and players who will never be anywhere near that good, such as Abu Dhabi. But you've got players in Barcelona who are probably equally have egos, the same as our players do, and yet Guardiola went in there and kind of, you know, assuaged their egos quite happily. I, I think, I don't think there is a huge ego problem in Barcelona. Uh, I, I think, I think our, our dressing room is out of control for the first time I've known it I mean I, I've if there's an ego problem mm. at Arsenal yeah. which, is that not Wenger's fault in the first place 
Absolutely. Yeah, oh, no, man, no, he's, he's, he's in gone, charge of the dressing room. He's got a record of saying he doesn't like confrontation. Uh, mm. He gets Pat Rice to do his dirty work. I mean, and it's how he goes about getting rid of players, isn't it? I, I don't want to sell you. It's entirely your choice, but you will be the fifth choice for that position. It's mm. entirely your choice what you want to do, but you'll train with the youth team. It's entirely your choice what you want to do. Oh, we don't want change at Arsenal. Let's keep Arsenal Wenger. We might win the league one day with him. Best of the devil, you know. Well, at least let's have another right-hand man. Let's get Tony Adams in. Let's get not Tony Pat. Adams. Let, let's Martin Keown. Let's, Martin Keown let's have a look at Martin Keown. Let's just have a look at some people. But I'd like to see Martin Keown as a number yeah. two. Yeah. I mean, yeah. incidentally, I mean, for those that missed it, uh, Tony Adams was a guest on the Arsenal TV fans forum a couple of weeks ago, and amongst other things he said was, "I'd jump at the chance to come back to Arsenal." Um, <laughs> No, so I, the way I, that I, is actually put. There is. So I'd love to come back. And, and he didn't Tom have a chance to turn up at the Highbury celebrations in 2006. No, he didn't. No. Because he's recovering he alcoholic, surrounded by 250 bottles of champagne, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, Fair that's, point. But there was a lot of other reasons. As he well, also right? didn't turn up at the first game at um, the Emirates, which was the day Dennis Burke camp. No, that was Didn't play that day when most of the other 2002 team were there. And it's only recently that he's now suddenly become oh, a Mr. Arsenal, Arsenal again. No, I actually agree. No, I agree with you there, Steve. I mean, I've been a little bit disappointed in the past. But having um, said so that, I love him, man. I'll have him back tomorrow as a coach. Oh, see, I'd, I'd prefer Martin Cairn. He said a great thing when he was on Arsenal TV. He said, Arsenal don't have a player to identify a danger on the pitch. Mm. You know, if we're under the cosh and there's a certain player that's running rings around us, we don't have a player that can say he's causing us trouble. It's him. Take mm. him out of the game. Well, exactly. Take four separate bookings. Mm. Take him out of the game. Yeah. Every other club does that. Chelsea oh, no. do it. Oh, United big do time. it. All the European teams do it. We do not have anyone who can say that. If Adams was on the bench, identifying a danger, just say right, take him out. See, I think Cesc has got a bit, that, a bit of that about him at the moment. Well, certainly, Nasri does a job, doesn't he? Nasri will go out and do a job. We he saw like that in the. In the Manchester United nil nil league game, didn't we? When uh, it wasn't so much the danger man, it was uh, telling Patrice Everett to fuck the fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I mean, if they've got the, a good motive uh, that suits them, it seems to me that they can nobble someone. However, tactically, they're not uh, instructed to do that, and it's a fact of life that even the great teams would occasionally practice the dark arts. Even the ones Wenger admires so much, like the Milan team in the early 90s. Mm. I'm a little bit too young to vividly remember the Ajax team in the early 70s, but uh, I think Neuron was one of their players, and I think he... Could he put his foot in, Neuron? Uh, wasn't Neuron... Wasn't it really cool? Horshoff. Not was Tyson. Horshoff? Not okay. Neuron and Tyson. Before my time, but, uh, mm. there was a guy at the back who... Uh, it wasn't Rudy Kroll. Well, yeah, he, was, he had a bit of that. He was a big, tall fellow, Rudy Kroll, brilliant player. Mm. Can't remember where you put it. But I'm sure I actually had their dark side. Yeah, 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 I think it was Horshoff. I've got my names mixed up. Now, Basti isn't here, unfortunately, because you know what he'd be saying. (laughs) (laughs) What would he be saying? (laughs) Well, he'd probably be saying, well, it's a bit like when you have a bird and you go out of it for 12 years (laughs) and you think, well, you know, with this bird, I probably could get a better one, but, you know, I'm probably quite happy in the way I am at the moment, so what do I do? We can talk about Arsenal instead of Basti's holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Basti, the people that Basti have met stroke his love life. I think the bottom line is that there is no pressure on the manager because Champions League is vital and it is probably bucking the odds that we continue to qualify for the damn thing. Um, But at a time when if we didn't, frankly, we would have to sell the likes of Fabregas every summer. And that leads me on very, very nicely, Kev, to the fact that, and a point I raised earlier before we started recording um, was that it is only the second semi-final that we've actually seen 
um, as Arsenal fans in the last what five, four years four years we've seen two semi-finals that's all I've seen in my lifetime and all any Arsenal fan has seen yeah but you know, a great huge portion of your lifetime only one team qualified for what was then the European Cup even in the last like 12 years though David uh, for the first five years ago, it was still really the top team that qualified for the Champions League. Was it? How long no. has it been since? It's been two since Wenger's first title. I think. I think, I think um, when Arsenal first won the title, they may have had a qualifying round for the third place team in the Premiership. Yeah. Uh, before that, it was two teams, um, and in the first couple of years, it was just the champions. I mean, the funny thing about the tournament now is the. the the Champions League could one day be won by a team that's never won their domestic championship. So by definition, not champions. Um, that's probably already happened, I think, hasn't it? I don't think so. No, I, I think, think it almost happened by Champions League. League. It's only ever been won by the team that wins the title. No, not the, by the title, but a, has, has won, won the title in their history. Mm. Oh, I see, I yeah. see. So I think... It, it would have been Leverkusen. Leverkusen yeah. almost won it, and they would have been Champions League winners without ever being champions in their own country ever. So, Russell, think you say yeah. that we've qualified for the semi-final twice, twice. in the last four years. Four three years, years yeah. yeah. four years. Yeah, four, things. And it's a great achievement. Yeah. I might add, and some might argue, yeah. that when we had the Invincibles, when we had the great team of 98, 99, yeah. 2001, when we had the Pireses, the Campbells, the Adams, the Keogh's, the Dixons, all those wonderful superstars, the Overmarses, mm-hmm. We didn't come close to even remotely challenging no, to win the Champions League. Was that not down to Wenger at the time? Well, I don't know. Is that not an indication of what it's like as a trophy? Because I think you know the two seasons when we've had our poorest team, i.e., 2006 and this year, because our last season at Highbury was was a poor side. It was a side like dying on its back legs, and um, we've got further in the in the, um, in the Champions League than we've ever got and it I is think a cup competition yeah. I don't think you can read too much into it I think the ultimate test is the league in, in your own country because that obviously requires greater consistency Champions League can provide great nights great memories um, but I don't think it's a true gauge of the quality of a team so for example Liverpool have won have, have reached two finals in the last five years Um does that make them the best team in England on, on that particular season? And strangely yeah. enough, they probably had their worst year this year when I think that for the last six months Liverpool probably been the best side in the country. Yeah, so I mean, and Real Madrid also, as Wenger has said, have never not got past the last 16 for the last four or five years. Mm. Mm. Uh, but, you know, they've won the Quite. Spanish title at least twice and I think maybe three times in that mm. period. It does depend what your comparative barometer for success is. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, as Kev said, the notion of the Champions League is it is still a knockout competition and uh, ultimately all it takes is a Wayne Bridge moment and everything you've worked for in the previous 14 games doesn't count. Yeah. I, I mean, the, if we were getting to the semi-finals of the European Cup as well as consistently being in the top two over the last five years then that's one thing but for me it's how you do in the league and the most worrying thing about this year uh, you know, at least in the 2008 season our, our title bid realistically didn't explode until about three games from the end of the season our title bid was over at the end of October and that's the most disappointing thing I would, I would argue that it was possibly over slightly earlier than that last <laughs> season well, I mean, okay. it, was, it, was, it, was, it was kind of over when we drew with Middlesbrough. We came up on the rails. It was, yeah. And to seven make other teams consecutively. But had we beaten Manchester United, United, we would have won the league. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know, we were still four points behind. No, but yeah, we would have yeah, gone, yeah, we then gone one, one yeah, point if behind. If they'd have had three less and we'd have had three more, we still would have been a point behind them. No, no. the maths is that United would have had two less points. Yeah. We'd have had two more. 
and I think with goal difference we'd have been better yeah so we could have yeah I mean it's a sliding door moment but you know we were we were always the third team last year oh, I, th- I think I'd agree with you overall but after it was you know Birmingham. but up until and it was definitely that period after the Birmingham game where things just went tits up but you know I mean it, Fenger has said it's a fine line I do think last season was a fine line and there's certainly been a slide since then but um, I mean let's, let's, let's move on slightly to the uh, to the to your thoughts of the uh, the, the semi final itself, um, I think we have, we've had the thoughts of the first leg, haven't we? Or I think well, no, because the last time we recorded a podcast, we haven't played it, and uh, I think we can we can mm. sum up the first leg quite briefly. It's that it's the forgotten game now in Wenger's argument. You know, he says that we didn't have a chance to play the second leg <laughs> because it was after, over after ten minutes. We had ninety minutes to play in the first leg. And uh, I think from memory we might have had a 20 minute spell in the second half we managed to hang on to the ball for more than uh, mm-hmm. two passes. But uh, the bottom line is, even though we were still in the tie after that game, um, the performance was so poor <laughs> that there was no way I personally had any optimism that we could turn it around in the second leg. I think we were out of that tie in the first leg mentally because we were just not at the races at all and I think it's been forgotten by the manager conveniently exactly how poor we were over the whole course of the tie never mind when he said the second time was over after 10 yeah. if that first leg was a boxing match the referee would have stopped it at half time for too much punishment well 100 minutes into the game being 3-0 down wasn't too bad really is it <laughs> so, and you look at it that Comparatively way speaking, you know, yeah. it's like no matter what Wenger thought about the first 10 minutes at, um, at Ashburn Grove yeah, but, the f- uh, first leg it, you know, it's all credit to the, to the goalkeeper and the left back who were the only two players who really turned up and uh, I'll preempt you but imagine what you're going to say I'll put my hand up no, 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 last no, no, podcast no, 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 I may no, have no. mentioned that um, <laughs> I didn't have all that much faith in our Spanish goalkeeper but credit where credit's due um, he had an outstanding game but my argument with Manuel Almunia was that he would never play so well that he would win us a game and he didn't win that game oh, by any stretch of the imagination he just about kept us alive has <laughs> anyone stopped to realise as well this is a, a side point but it relates to the United game how many goals we've conceded at the Emirates by players slipping up oh, on yeah. a soaking wet pitch? No, 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 you're right. Tot- for 20 yeah. minutes. Tot- Tot- when we should have won that game 4-2. Yeah, no, definitely. When Clichy slipped on the wet pitch, when, when, when it had rained for days before. The mm. Man United game, Lee Dix- slips up on the wet pitch. Lee Dixon made a great point about this, though. I don't know if you, you can no, come to this. The last, game, the last game against Stoke, mm. I think one, of, um, one, the lap, one, of, the, one of the defenders slipped, letting the guy in for the penalty, yeah. when we conceded the penalty. And I'm, I'm thinking, why, do we, why are we the only team that soaks our pitch before the match? Well, Lee Dixon's point, didn't it, did you hear this, Kev? No. Lee Dixon's point was that had that been in the days of the old back four, they never would have made that mistake because they would have been in position. And he was out of position tracking back. And that's why he slipped, because he came back so far and then he had to change direction. Yeah. yeah, and he said that would never happen. Nigel Winterburn would have been in place. He would have come back and he would have followed the play and he would have been in place to stop that and he wouldn't have had the problem. And perhaps that's the same with Clichy and the, and the likes. They, they, they're they're always they're trying to get back and into position. Well, the, I mean, why, is, why are we always been slipping? It's so frustrating. No, Either no. wear longer slides, studs, or don't water the pitch. Mm. Well, presumably know? the pitch is watered to assist our fast-flowing on-the-floor football. Mm. <laughs> um, but obviously it's got detrimental side as well. Needs looking at. No, totally. so what time did you leave then, Steve? 
Okay. Well, unlike uh, the guys next to me, I actually managed to stay till half time. <laughs> and believe me, I couldn't wait to get out of the place. And mm. anyone who says, oh, you're not a real fan because you didn't stay to the end, ask any of those players if they could have got out of there at half time. <laughs> would they have got out of there? And I'll tell you what, all 11 of them would have done. Yeah, no. They get paid for it, I'm not. No, it's awful to watch that last uh, 45 minutes, has to be said, you know. You know, and to, to, to have such high expectations and just to be sitting there watching, as, as David said, you know, watching a boxer on the ropes mm. for 45 minutes mm. when he didn't have to. You know, I just wanted to spare myself the pain. Must have been worth it to see uh, Darren Fletcher get sent off for absolutely no reason. That was <laughs> definitely the a final. high point, <laughs> high point of not, the evening. We're not bitter at all, are we, by any stretch of the imagination? And it was a foul. He was a tackle from behind, for God's sake. I know, yeah. I know I didn't like the fact that he touched the ball, but he still tackled the guy from behind. Tackled the guy, first actually put his hand over the midfield player. It, it's, it's a penalty. I mean, this, this rubbish, which is perpetrated <laughs> by pundits, that if you win the ball, <laughs> it's not a penalty. It doesn't matter if you break their yeah, leg or chop their head off. He touched the ball. I don't care whether he touches the ball. If you go through the man, through the man take yeah. his legs away, then get a tiny glimpse of the ball. Yeah, <laughs> poor old Steve Bold. I watched, watched yeah. the uh, 89 game. Steve Bold just wouldn't have had a career, would he? <laughs> yeah. There seems to be a conception on Match of the Day and Sky and Satanta. If you get the ball, it's not a penalty. Well, that's rubbish, in my opinion. Yeah, well, they just they just, uh, they just change it to it. was doing when we can when Portsmouth conceded a, the most blatant penalty ever at Fratton mm. Park against Arshavin. You know, Arshavin then turns around and goes, no, 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 no. Well, I'm sorry, keep your mouth shut, Andre, because that was a penalty. Uh, we pick it up, good vibrations. He's giving us excitations. We pick it up, good vibrations. He's giving us excitations. Oh, While you're on the subject, Steve, Mr. Arshavin, I know you're a big fan, aren't you? You always have been. I'm a big fan. And, um, but you're a little bit worried about his position. I don't think he's been played to the best of his advantage at the moment. Um, when, you see, when you see videos of him on YouTube and other places, you see him running from the middle and dictating play from the middle. I mean, he's just so much more involved in the game. And I've watched him in all the games he's played at the Emirates from quite a high position in the stand. And he's peripheral on the left wing. Mm. He's peripheral. He, he, he's desperate to get in the middle. Yeah. He's watching the action going on rather than actually doing it himself. And when he goes into the middle, he does start dictating. And I, I just think it's madness not to play him in his best position. He can do a job on the left, but it is just a job. And if, if Arsenal doesn't play him in his best position next season, I think that's another mistake, personally. It's kind of the Arsenal apprenticeship, isn't it, playing out wide? Yes, they all seem to start yeah, there, don't they? So do you think that's what it is, Dave? Or do you think I, think, I think it's, yeah, it's Wenger likes putting square pegs in round holes. More pertinently, he likes putting guys who are between 5'3 and 5'6 inches tall and all want to play as a number 10 mm. out wide, which is great. You know, we've, ne- we've now got probably seven players on the staff who can fill the number 10 role, but I, I, I fail to believe that there isn't a single left-sided midfield player in the world who can fill that slot. I mean, I think of the great left-sided players I've seen whilst watching Arsenal. I think of people like Brian Marwood, Anders Limpar, Mark Overmars and Robert Pires. And the thing that strikes me about all those players is that they were left-sided midfield players who were brought to play as 
as, as left-side midfield players, whereas Wenger prefers to insist that players can play in a position that's completely alien to them. And, um, this is, but having said that, that does make me think, purely because he'll be available on the cheap <laughs> and because he's used to the Premier League, yeah. I would not be ridiculously shocked if Wenger puts... In, if he can get him for £8 million as well, if he tries to buy Stuart Downing. Yeah. It's an interesting I don't one. necessarily think he's the player for us, but it wouldn't surprise me. No. He's, he's a genuine wide. He does play wide. I mean, he does actually cross the ball and use the wing as. Uh, and he can cut inside. The guy is actually he's two footed. Well, I would like David Silva. We 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 are serious about competing next year with Chelsea and United and Liverpool, and we should be, given that it was Marnoff wants to put money into the club. Cronky's a billionaire. You know, Fisman's not short of a bubble team. <laughs> You know, and we're competing with Portsmouth, Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool. Yeah. All these guys are massive. If we can't sign someone like David Silva when we're playing the highest season ticket prices in the world, you know, then it's a sad state of affairs. But I personally would like to see us go for someone like him. Well, it's still on the, the subject of our showing. Do you think that? Do you think that he was actually a board buy? I, I don't know. Myself. There's a conspiracy. Uh, there's, there's, conspiracy there's, there's a rumour. Yeah. There, there's a there's a feeling that Wenger wasn't too keen. No, I'd prefer to think it was, it was a Wenger buy. I'd, I'd hate to think it wasn't. I don't, I don't think Arsenal um, are the kind of club that um, would buy a player over the manager's head. Um, so I, I'm sure that it was a player Wenger wanted and I would argue that the board maybe had to work hard to make the deal happen because it was pretty complex from the sound of things. <laughs> um, but I, I just cannot see that um, Wenger would remain in the job if he did not have a say on the players coming in. Perhaps six and two threes, do you think? <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't have surprised me if even Gazidis' first act to prove that ultimately he's Arsenal Wenger's boss, so let's not fuck around. He's the chief executive officer of Arsenal Football Club. Yeah. He is the first team manager's boss, was to say, look, What's happened so far this season isn't good enough, and there is money to spend. And I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I strongly, strongly urge you to buy a player. Who do you want? Um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if you know Wenger had you know had complete choice and did exactly what he wanted, but ultimately was asked very politely to go and buy a player, and Arshin was the player he chose. I still maintain he wasn't necessarily the player that he needed, but so if you see the said that then we wouldn't have had Arshavin coming in in January. I don't necessarily think so. I mean, Wenger, prior to that, had been his own boss for the best part of 18 months and ran the football operation side of the the, uh, the club and company as he as he saw fit. I mean, after the Keith Edelman departure debacle, um, it, it, all he had was the 246-year-old Ken Fryer being wheeled out, wheeled out of his cryogenic chamber once a month. So that's even more ammunition for the Arsene Wenger anti-brigade. But uh, interesting, <laughs> uh, Rustin asked me for, for what I thought um, about the about the Arsene Wenger situation. And in fairness, I, I don't blame him because my answer to that is I don't know what I think because I and none of us have got the full set of facts presented to us. Because someone at that football club, as I've said pre- on previous podcasts, someone is lying to us. I don't know if it's the board. I don't know if it's the manager, but as you've pointed out, Steve, we pay more in season ticket prices to watch any other sporting organisation in the entire world. Uh, and that's, that's a cast iron, indisputable fact. Yet, we have the third smallest squad of professionals on the staff in the Premier League with the second highest wage bill. I, along with the other 56,500 gooners who turn up every week, or 28,000, depending on whether you... <laughs> like, <laughs> believe the evidence in your eyes. <laughs> um, 
you know, we all want to know the same thing. Where's our fucking money going? And if, yeah, obviously, it's a catch-22 because the manager can't come out and the board can't come out and say that we haven't got any money. It's all going into various refi- refinancing packages um, because you know, nobody's going to want to come to us because they know they'll sit down, they won't be able to, to get what they want and know they can get it elsewhere at Chelsea or Manchester United. But at the same time, you get the board coming out saying, we've never refused Arsenal a penny, all he has to do is ask, and then behind mm. doors saying to him, actually Arsenal, you've got two and six, but you know, try and sign that Bowie fellow on for another four years. Um, he, yeah. I just want the truth. I know what you're saying, I mean, there totally. needs to be an element of transparency and as well as that, but you, know, but you want to see the kitchen, but you don't necessarily want to see where the sausages are made, do you? Know, <laughs> it's like, talk about Arsenal going, um, it's difficult once you've eaten caviar for so long yeah. to go back to eating sausages. Yeah. Well, Mr. Wenger, we've eaten sausages for five years. You reckon? <laughs> yeah. The usual reminder that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again to our sponsors, gunashirts.com. And just to mention, to remind you that the final issue of the season, just gone, the Guna issue 196, is still available, available to buy online for £2 postage free from the shop section of www onlineguna.com where you can also buy the available back issues the latest issue includes our annual survey which you can complete and decide on who your favourite player is for the very same Guna website from which you've downloaded this podcast to wrap up just a quick farewell from our panel Steve good night David thank Thank you thank you for listening guys have a wonderful summer and super sub Kevin Witcher arrivederci I'm your host, Lord Ashburn, and we'll be back for a bit of a reminisce special to keep you going over the summer before long. So, thanks for listening. La di da di da, la di da di di, all good friends and jolly good company. Hey!